Hi there, my name is Michael Harris. I'm host of Falling Up Radio. This is a place where we have frank, raw, and edgy conversations about crushing your fears. And I wanna let you know we have a really great guest today that has crushed her fears beyond your belief. I did wanna remind you though that our, my book, Falling Down, Getting Up, if you go to this website, Falling Down, Getting Up, or even better yet, go to fallingupradio.com, and you get this book free, and you get a free download immediately of the ebook as well. So you get a printed copy of the book and immediate download of the ebook. So what could be better than that? So anyway, again, if you want to take a quantum leap in your life, if you like the idea of not just taking little steps at a time, which are important, we're going to talk about that today, but also taking that quantum leap. It's like nature. One day it's sunny and beautiful, and the next day it's snowing, and you got a foot of snow on the ground. Nature's an incredible example of shape-shifting and taking a quantum leap. But enough about that. Let's get right to our guest. She's just so incredible in what she's done and what she's been able to overcome and the fears that she's crushed in her life. I've got three pages of notes already on her, and it's just like it goes on and on and on. Our guest, she started practicing yoga at the, at the age of 19, so pretty young. And she walked into this yoga studio. She had RA, rheumatoid arthritis. She had claw hands. She'll tell you more of her story. But over that period of time, she lost more, almost her whole thyroid, three quarters of her thyroid. She had tumors in her neck. She was heavily medicated on virtually every drug you can imagine. And she started walking into this class, a hot yoga class. And slowly but surely, she started making changes in her body. So we're going to hear her story, and she's going to tell us how she crushed her fears, how she took those little steps I mentioned a moment ago, as well as moments where quantum leaps happen. So our guest today, Jessica Gardner, she has a yoga studio in New Jersey, and she's also a senior teacher for Jimmy Barkin, Jimmy Barkin, um, and Barkin Method Yoga, huge worldwide yoga. Um, if you don't know about yoga, look that up as well. So Jessica, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So tell me, that first time you walked into a yoga studio, I mean, how'd you get there? I mean, you were in so much pain from your rheumatoid arthritis. What drove you to go to a hot yoga class? Someone said, try yoga. Hmm. <laughs> and I literally Googled it and showed up. And yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea that there was hot yoga or a cold yoga or <laughs> different. And I just walked into class. And I was the youngest person in the room um, with a room full of really, you know, um, what's the word? Very disciplined students with men in speedos <laughs> and women in one pieces, and I ha I had no clue what I walked into. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let let me ask you more about your um your rheumatoid arthritis. I I want to keep calling it RA, but I 
want to make sure the, the listeners understand. When did you start developing that? Did you already ha- always have that? And describe your condition, because I understand it, that you had pretty clawed hands and fingers and such. In all of the symptoms of everything that I had started manifesting themselves when I was about 12. Mm-hmm. And so along with the arthritis, I also have an autoimmune condition similar to lupus where mm-hmm. the body attacks itself. Um, and it can't distinguish good cells from bad cells. So where lupus would attack organs, mine attacks like thin areas of skin in the body. So uh, my esophagus, my intestines, the, my mouth, my eyes, my urinary tract. So places, places where the skin is very thin, it almost starts to pull away and look like almost like someone poured it like acid on it. Like it just like, mm. like, cause the body's attacking it. So it just peels that skin away. Um, so it becomes very raw and, and painful. And the first manifestation of it was when I was 12. And then the, the actual arthritis started after that. And it just, and then the thyroid. So things just kind of kept compounding from there, all symptomatic of the same thing. Um, just, you know, keep, keep manifesting it in different ways. Yeah. So as a teenager, um, you were in a lot of pain. Yeah. 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 Like how'd you get through school and what, what was your, like, were you feeling good about yourself? When did you start taking all the meds? Um, we didn't start taking, I didn't start taking any real medication until I was about 16 years old. And that was when the thyroid happened. So when I was 16, I had five tumors in my neck and my, my neck was all uh, like bloated and swollen. And we actually, they first had just thought it was muscle. It was just muscular. And so they had let it go for a while thinking that, you know, the muscles would go down and then over time when it didn't go away, then we realized or sent me for a different testing that said that I had five or six tumors in my, in my neck. And were they, were they benign or cancerous or? Um, they came back cancerous. Mm. And so we had, we removed the, the tumors as well as what was attached to the thyroid. But then there was only, my mother didn't want to do the swallow and get rid of the whole thyroid. She wanted me to try to keep as much as I could. So we kept a quarter of it in so i actually do have a quarter of my thyroid which functions now fine enough for the body without me having to take synthroid but synthroid was like the real first introduction to um like serious medication that everyday type medication so so, so they they removed the tumors and then put you on synthroid yeah yeah and then once that started to happen the arthritis started getting um, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So when I was in college, I actually went to nursing school. And when I was in nursing school, I was a disability student, but I wasn't a learning disability student. I was a health disability student. So I had to go to all my teachers and tell them I was a health disability student for two reasons. Um, one, I had to have a note taker because I couldn't get through class with the amount of notes that needed to be taken. This was, so was that because your hands were clawed or what was happening? Yeah, I couldn't hold the pen. 
and it was before technology where people would carry the laptops and things, you know, stuff like that. So I used to have a recorder, but I couldn't get through the class to hold the pen long enough to keep. Well, now now you're you're holding a pencil, and you look like you can hold it fine. Yeah, I'm okay now. Long periods of time, I I get I struggle with. Um, so I'm not really a journaler. <laughs> people always say journal, <laughs> journal, yeah. um, and I, I'm not really a journaler, but. Um, I have found ways to talk into it, to dictate and stuff like that. So I do find ways around it. Yeah. Um, simple things like buttoning my shirts. That was difficult mm. at, you know, 16 to 18. I always make the, the reference just as a young girl. It was like, I couldn't pluck my eyebrows. <laughs> mm. I couldn't, I, you know, still had trouble holding the tweezers to do it myself. Um, so I do still have areas where things and things still do pop up and bother me. It's just, I can manage it better now when it actually happens. Yeah. I didn't well, know. Like, like, let, let's see your hand. I mean, was your hand pretty much in a clawed form yeah. or what? Yeah. These three fingers. Yeah. These three fingers never really straightened. Right. And when I first started the yoga and I would do standing bow, I used to call it R2D2 because it would like, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, live long and prosper. Right. <laughs> you know, like it would, and everybody would always tell me to fix my hands. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it was, it's in these two knuckles here and right here. And they're, they're, they come and go. Sometimes it looks like I have a boxing glove on. Like you can't really distinguish the knuckle or the form of the fingers. Yeah. Um, but other times it's fine and they're just a little bit swollen. You see, they don't really straighten yeah. up. Yeah. So as a teenager, I mean, were you active at all and trying to do any sports or? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I actually played, um, I played softball. I played slow pitch softball. Really? Yep. I was all division slow pitch softball in high school. We won state championships. Like I was, I was oh. Yeah, athlete, um, while trying to live a normal life while all of these things were, were coming in and out. I, uh -huh. uh, those years were, were interesting. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And were, did, did you have a boyfriend and, and all of that in high school? Or? Um, yeah, I had a high school sweetheart, for sure. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, I, I know some people and myself included from some of the health conditions that I have, which I won't get into now, but um, sometimes it's hard to connect with other people. But did you find that you were still able to, like, connect with your girlfriends and boyfriends and sweethearts and, and all that? Um, I, I definitely had a high school sweetheart, and that was kind of it. Yeah. That, yeah. that was, I had my high school sweetheart and we spent time in and out. And then the friends were very difficult because people didn't really believe me on a Friday night that I wasn't feeling well. Mm. That I didn't want to go out on Friday night because I wasn't well. They thought I didn't want to be with them or whatever 16 year olds right. take offense to, you know, she doesn't really want to be my friend. So um, that those type of social interactions were, were difficult for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so a lot, of, a lot of times on weekends you were at home rather than out and about with the girlfriends. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, let's talk more about when when you walked into the yoga studio. Um, I don't know too much about it. I know a little bit about it that it was a slow start, but 
something must have happened for you to come back. So yeah. tell the listeners more about that first class and what happened. Well, it was within the first, I couldn't even get through the first breathing exercise. Mm. I did the first two breaths and I dropped to the floor. And that's how, like, weak from the medication. I, I, I think at that moment I realized that how much of an effect the medication actually had on my overall being. Mm-hmm. And I was, I dropped. I think I did two breaths and I, I had to take a knee. And it was that moment where I looked around and I was like, I'm the youngest person in the room and I cannot stand up right now. Did you and want to run or, 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 or what happened? No, I, it was more of like, I can conquer this. Like you, you can do this. And so I literally did one set of every posture. I would stand, do it, sit, stand, do it, sit, stand, do it, sit. And that was my practice for probably a year. But so, so after that first class, did you come back the next day or did you come back a week later or how soon did you come back? No, I had to take, for a while I could only do once a week because that was, it took me a week to recover. Wow. So, so that, but, but why'd you keep coming back? I mean, if it took you that long to recover from this class, I mean, there must have been something inside of you that was pushing you and knowing that it was helping you. It, you know, it's so, it's, it's so simple, but yet it's so compelling is it made me drink water. Hmm. And I, right. It seems so simple, but yet it's, it's such a big deal because at the time I was on such high doses of prednisone that it affected how, how well I swallowed. So I didn't really want to drink or I didn't really want to eat. And I had a tough time getting things down. And when I took class after class, I drank probably a liter of water. And for me, I probably hadn't drinking a liter of water in months, maybe a year. And and I also wasn't taught as maybe it was just the generation or the age thing or the time, but I wasn't taught to drink water. So we weren't taught if you're thirsty, drink water. It was Gatorade or Crystal Light or, you know, Sunny D. Like we, I wasn't taught, where's your water bottle? If you're thirsty, drink that. (laughs) It's, It's so, so weird. But when you look back at it or when I look back at it and the symptoms of being a a sick child and how my diet was and the things that I was putting in my body, it makes sense that it all was the way that it was. Mm -hmm. So, so the the teachers at the studio, were you, were you always going to a high yoga studio and it was a teacher um, helping you through the RA? How was the, the teacher so my first teacher is, was Marianne Nassa, mm-hmm. and she has a studio in Cranston, Rhode Island, and it's been open since probably the mid-80s, since, you know, just right around when I was born. And she, Marianne kind of, she always, she always got it. Uh, like, she, she pushed me in, in a positive way. But then she backed off when she really saw something was was going on. So it was just enough of that gentle, like, keep moving 
to, to keep me motivated enough to do it. Plus I knew how good I felt when I was done and I knew how good it felt for me to drink water. And it was almost like it was relieving the symptoms of the medication. Like it was allowing the medication to work the way that it needed to work and not work to other areas and have side effects. Yeah. Yeah. So from, from that first class to a year later, you said you were doing most of the time one set because there's two sets of the yoga you're doing. You were doing one set. What was the difference you felt from that first class to a year later? I was getting through the whole class. Um, and that was, that was a big deal for me to be able to conquer the ability to be able to stand and be normal in, in a class. And when, were, were your, did you feel a difference in your fingers or your hands or? Um, n- not in the beginning, yeah. no. So it took more than a year. Yeah, it definitely took, it definitely, the first thing that was, was really affected was the thyroid. So within six months, I was able to come off the Synthroid. So in six months, you eliminated those meds? Yeah, six months, I was done with the Synthroid. And ne- never to go back? No, never went back. Wow. I have not been on Synthroid since. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then did you let go of any other meds in your first year? In the first year, no. It took maybe until I was 23, 22, before I started to get rid of all of the... So three or four years and you're able to start reducing and eliminating. Yeah, when I was twenty. Two, I moved to Las Vegas, and I think the combination of heat and the weather in Las Vegas, and I kept up with my yoga practice in Las Vegas, then I was able to start making those shifts, where at the time I came off the methotrexate, I was done, because I used to inject it in my leg weekly. So I came off of the methotrexate, because I just didn't For like those it. that don't know what that is, tell the listeners what that's for. Um, methotrexate is an immune suppressant drug. It's uh, one of the drugs that they use in chemotherapy. And when they give it to someone with an autoimmune condition, either uh, an, an RA or a lupus type thing, it, it keeps the it keeps the suppression of the immune system down so that it doesn't attack the body. Mm-hmm. So I would inject it into my thigh because the pills would make me really sick. Wow. And what were the doctors saying all along is you were doing this and they started watching you like get off first the Synthroid and then the other meds. I actually had doctors that wouldn't see me anymore. Really? Yeah. I actually had two doctors that said, if you're not going to take the medication, I can't help you. So even to this day, I struggle finding um, rheumatologists or somebody who will watch over my care without having medication be at the forefront of my uh, healing right yeah hmm. now are you on any meds today at all uh currently today no awesome yeah awesome no um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean i don't come on and off them i've i've learned over the years when it's time to take them and i've learned when it's not time to take them so yeah. I, I don't recommend to people if they first are talking to me or come to me to say like, you got to get off that. I, that's not kind of the route I go down because as I've learned and studied with 
Eastern medicine as well as Western medicine, sometimes you need the combination of both. And it's okay to have them both, but you need to know when is the time to yeah. Yeah. And do you find that um, when you practice more, well, let me, let me ask you, how, how often do you practice now per week? Three, four, five times a week or? Every day. Every day. So when you're practicing every day, um, is there? I move every 12 hours. You move every 12 hours? Yeah. If I don't move every 12 hours, I'm in serious pain. So wow. I do class or some type of class in a heated room, in a heated environment. Where if I can't get to class, it's a steam room or the shower or sauna or something. Um, and then 12 hours later, I have to move again. Is it walking? Does that help? Or? Um, walking helps. It's an okay substitute. But for me, it has to be some type of um, like pressure on my hands. It has to be some type of hip movement, some type of yoga something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is most of your yoga today hot or do you do different types of yoga? Um, I do exp I do do a lot of different types of yoga, but I always make sure there's a hot class. If yeah. it's a hot class or another thing, it's my second. <laughs> yeah. So by, th by three or four years, you've let go of your meds. Yeah. And what were you thinking? Were you thinking, oh my God, this is like the greatest thing in the world? I mean, what, what was emotionally, how are you handling it? I didn't. I, the doctor said it was normal to go into remission. So in the beginning, I just chalked it up to the fact that I was, I was in remission. And, but I started to notice and have, from the yoga gave me a body awareness because the hot room or the heat exponentially makes you feel things more. Mm -hmm. I was able to understand that the medication, how much the medication affect my body in different ways. Mm -hmm. So I noticed once I was on a prednisone, like, oh, okay, now when you're not in the room, this is where the prednisone's affecting you. Or if I took a Plaquenil or a methotrexate or um, even a Coltracine, something like that, it would be like, yeah, okay, so I could understand the, the side effects of it more when I wasn't in the room. Describe to the listeners what the different meds do. Um, the, well, we talked about the methotrexate, which is the immune suppressant. And then um, Plaquenil is actually what they give to people for malaria. Um, but it actually works in autoimmune conditions. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like a piggyback drug. They don't really know how it works, but it works. Mm -hmm. And Coltracine is like um, an anti-inflammatory, but it's in its own class different than um, um, an Aleve or Advil or something like that. So oh. yeah. that's what I went. But when I am having a true flare or something's really bad, every, I have to go on everything all at once. Mm. So if it's not super bad, sometimes they try to give me the culture scene before they move me to a methotrexate. They've even tried to give me Humira. I don't really, I, I'm not really one who wants to take those types of things. So I kind of fight it and see what I can do. Like how bad is it really going to get before I have to take something? Yeah. Um, 
So we just kind of go down that road. Yeah. Yeah. And then then at what, what point, I mean, you were practicing, you were feeling better, letting go of the meds. At what point did you decide that you were going to be a yoga teacher? Um, I decided that I wanted to, it needed to be in my life every day. I knew when I did it every day and I was consistent, I felt better. I didn't really care why, didn't really care how it works. Like I, I just was like, it works and this is what I need to do. And that's actually one of the reasons why I opened the, the studio because I was like, I have to have my own home to do this in every day. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting because I had a doctor one time too, as I started practicing yoga for my conditions, doctor said you know you should really do this every day you should do this as much as you can yeah yeah and that was part of me becoming a teacher as well yeah yeah i yeah. when i went to training i didn't know bikram was a person <laughs> <laughs> a lot of so a lot of people don't so you went to bikram training and then what year was that i went in 2007 i was the second hawaii training this the second training in Hawaii. So, so you went and spent, I guess it was nine week training. Yep, I did the I did the nine week training there. I, li- you know, lived in the hotel like many other people do, and I was, I was still when I actually went to the teacher training was two months after I had both of my feet reconstructed from the from the rheumatoid arthritis. So when you say two months after your feet were reconstructed, what happened? So I had, I had my left foot um, done in April. When you say done, what did they do? So my feet, my toes were so bad that they had to shave the bone down in order for me to get my feet in sneakers. So I used to have to wrap them with band-aids and I used to have to pad them the back of my the back of my heel, the first knuckle and the pinky and the side in order to just get them into shoes. So I used to have to wrap them heavily and cushion it all because otherwise they would bleed. So mm. I went to the doctor and they were, you know, so clawed up. He said, we're, you know, we'd have to shave the bones. Had I had known I was going to be a yoga teacher in barefoot, I probably wouldn't have had it done. <laughs> but I have pretty feet now, but it did take a few years to, to recover. But I had the first one done in April, and I had the second one done in June. And by September, I was at teacher training in, in Hawaii. So my feet were still really recovering from all of that trauma when I went. Yeah. Now, the, the teacher training, <clears throat> I know you're doing yoga twice a day and then yoga in between. <laughs> it's a lot of yoga. Yeah. Um, did you feel different? by doing that additional yoga, did that make a change in what you were feeling in your body? Yeah, it made a drastic change until the very end. And then then, it was like, well, one too much. (laughs) 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 Just turn that knob just a little too much and it got me right at the end. But the whole, it was was a good experience otherwise and I wouldn't change what I did, yeah. Yeah, and so did did you come out of of that experience week, two weeks, month, couple months later, going, oh my God, that was one of the greatest things again that I've ever done? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it took about 
maybe three months or four months. Yeah. So once everything settled down, my life settled back down, everything got back into some routine and consistency. It was hands down one of the best things I've done in my life. Absolutely. And did you go back to uh, your teacher that you had been practicing with? Yes. To, to Marianne? Yeah, I always go. Um, I grew up in Rhode Island hmm. and where Marianne is. So no matter where I live or where I move, whenever there's a holiday and I go back home to see my mother, I always go and see Marianne. So she's been consistent in my life for a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. wow. So how, how long have you taught there or how long did you teach there? before you opened up your own studio? Um, I actually taught in Baltimore for three years. Oh. Mm -hmm. So I'm, my husband is a business consultant, so we move wherever his project is. So we actually ended up in Baltimore for a few years, and I taught mm. um, at Bikram Yoga Baltimore with Eddie and Emily for about three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're great. So yeah. what, what, they're what inspired you to then open a studio? Um, when we moved, we moved to Philadelphia from Baltimore. And when we moved to Philadelphia, the only school in that area at the time was Joel's in Philadelphia. And I was in New Jersey. So it was like just too much of a trek for me to come into the city. So that's when I opened one out in the suburbs. So it's out of convenience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, no, I, I, I get it. <laughs> I need yeah. to do this every day, maybe sometimes more, or, you know, more than once a day. And yeah. it, it was too far to have that commute. Yeah. So yeah. I was very fortunate and blessed and, yeah. and I did it. Mm -hmm. when, when did you open that studio? In 2010, we actually opened the, the doors. So, so you've been open nine years this year. I had to do some quick math. It shouldn't be too hard math. <laughs> yeah. So when, when you have students now that come in that um, maybe they have RA, may, maybe that there's other um, type of health concerns that they might have, how do you work with that particular individual? Well, the first thing is that it's, it's really tough to get out of the cycle of doctors and what they tell us is in our best interest. So people have to understand first that they have to manage their own care and they can't leave it to a doctor to tell them the route to go and that they have more control than what they think that they do. And if someone is open to that idea then usually we, we go a little bit further. But sometimes people are, are resistant to the thought process that the doctor is, can be a secondary form of, of help mm -hmm. rather than themselves being that first form of help. And there are different modalities and different avenues that they can put together in order to be able to start their own, their, their own healing, their own growth. I kind of point people in the direction of other people that can help. Like, I don't really do anything like myself. You know what I'm saying? I say like, find a person, that person, you need that. Find this person, you need that. And then let them kind of redirect them. Like from an acupuncturist to a kinesiologist 
to, you know, a, an energy healer and Eastern medicine, you know, these, all these different modalities we can put together and have a total healing process for sure. So, so you're really helping them um, discover how to heal themselves. Yeah. Just tell yeah. them through the boat a little bit. Yeah. They're come and say, Hey, I'm like, go, you know, now, now it's time for an acupuncturist, Just, you know, yeah. try that out. Or now it's time to meditate. You find a spiritual healer type thing yeah I, I know when I left the hospital I left AMA against medical advice yeah. you know the doctor said I was going to lose my legs in a couple of months and I would be dying pretty soon as well and I thought well I have nothing to lose so I signed out AMA and then that that's really what triggered um, my initial journey into healing and understanding exactly what you were saying, that we have a lot of ability to understand and to manage our own healthcare, yeah. our own lives. Yeah. We have, to, we have to take control of that. We have yeah. to take control of it, but we also have to decide and understand we can. It's like yeah. which kind of flips. You're like, nope, yeah. I can figure this out. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. There is a, a doctor... Um, at my first studio that, that I had in Portland, and, and he was coming quite a bit, and he had been a medical staff president for five hospitals and about 600 doctors. And we had talked a lot about the yoga and how it heals and, and all of that. And one of the things that he suggested to me at that time was that of the five hospitals that they managed, they could get rid of four of them and only keep one of them Get rid of four, let me say that again, get rid of four and only keep one of them if people would just do yoga and, and do the hot yoga to help heal themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we do not give ourselves enough credit for yeah. how much we can actually handle, manage, control, and, and, and be really proactive about yeah. the things you know our health care our, our yeah. how we feel our our mental well-being our emotions so many things mm -hmm. well i i know too i mean like one of the examples that, that uh he mentioned was that you know you take a person that might weigh say 400 pounds and they come in and one year because of all that extra weight their, their knees are getting damaged so they do surgery on one knee Right. And then a year or two later, they do surgery on, on the other knee. And then, you know, a few years later, they take their gallbladder out. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, that cost ends up costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And if you go to yoga, it's about a thousand bucks a year. So you go to yoga for a year, you're going to feel so different. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I know for, for me, I literally stopped going to doctors and I had doctors starting to come to me, you know, and, and I don't know if, if you have that experience where, where you have uh, doctors and physicians coming to your classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, an, another doctor here in Bend in, he was referring a lot of his students to the same yoga class that he was coming to. Yeah. And he finally had to stop doing it 
because the the patients that he had were, were coming to the class and wanting his attention. Yeah. And he wanted his own place between, because he was a surgeon and wanted his own place between surgery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it. I mean, it's doctors, I, I will own, well, I usually will only go to a doctor that has some type of knowledge of the yoga, comes to the yoga, is referred by someone who went to the yoga so that they know when I walk in, like, I do yoga and this is how it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Now, now you've also have had several uh, children yes. and you had uh, twin girls. Yes. Is, twin girls and you did the yoga all the way through your pregnancy is that right I did I did both pregnancies I have twin girls who are five and then I have the baby who's three well, she's not a baby but yes she's, yeah. she's three. Mm -hmm. yeah so now now a lot of people will say well you can't really do yoga when you're pregnant or you, you can't do hot yoga when you're pregnant yeah. you know there, there's all these different things and Tell the listeners what your experience was with that. Well, it, personally, for me, it would have been more damaging if I had stopped. Yeah. So at, at that point, my body would have just freaked out. We, we're, we're not getting our reset button. And so it would have been, and even doctors told me, keep doing it. It's okay. And the twins were actually IVF. And mm -hmm. I had the twins implanted. And I wouldn't recommend this to anybody, but they had the twins, the twins were implanted and they said, you know, take it easy for a few days, maybe some light bed rest. And I was in the yoga room. <laughs> um, just because my beliefs and I was like, if it's, if it was good for me at every other moment in my life, then it's going to be good for me right here. And yeah. this isn't going to be the time that it's going to turn its back on me. Yeah. And there are women who are live in hot climates, women who live in India, women, women who live in South America, and it's very warm there, consistently warm there, consistently humid, and they give birth like normal. <laughs> hmm. so, as long as, this, I know for me in my own studio, in my place, as long as we know the mom, as long as she has a regular practice, as long as it's something that's been consistent in her routine, then she can come whenever she wants to come. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did not stop with any of the, it was, it's my place. It's my place of safety. It's my place of healing. It's my place of comfort. I know when to back off. I know when to slow down. I know when to sit and just sweat and feel good. And I let it be that safe place for me rather than a, something I have to push through or, something I have to put too much pressure on myself to accomplish. Sure, sure. Yeah. Can you think of a student that you've had over the years as a teacher that maybe had some, um, I'll do quotes, exceptional healing experience of really regardless of what it is? Do you, do you have anything, anybody that particularly pops into your mind? Sure, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my, actual business partner, Christine, she's amazing transformations with a lot of the similar stuff. Um, she had osteoarthritis in her hip. She just recently had a hysterectomy. So she, when she came to me in the beginning, she couldn't really move her leg very much. 
Uh, and, and how long has she been practicing? Um, Christy has been with me since 2012, I think she started. I think she went to Bikram's training in maybe 13 or 14, around there. Mm -hmm. um, but she is, she's done great, great healing stuff with, with her body, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's a teacher now, too, and she's yeah. working and helping with other people in your studio, too. She's the director at the studio in New Jersey, and she's at the forefront and the, the point of contact for people's healing process. And she understands it from that little bit different point of view of having to go through it and practice yoga from a healing uh, avenue rather than a fitness avenue. Mm -hmm. So she can talk to people very, very um, intelligently about that. So how'd you end up uh, with Jimmy Barkin and being one of the senior teachers with Jimmy? Uh, I, interestingly, so Marianne's, Marianne also trained with, with Jimmy years back, back in the 80s. And so Marianne always would talk about Jimmy in class. And then it came to 2015, somewhere around there, maybe 16, and I wanted to diversify the studio and add different genres of yoga. And I wanted to add a vinyasa, but I also very much wanted to keep it within the same lineage because I, our, our lineage is uh, very important to me. It's something that I hold dear to my heart, where we came from and how we do it, why we do it, even Bikram, the whole community. And so I didn't want to veer from the lineage. And I knew that Jimmy had a vinyasa training. So I didn't know anybody. I didn't know his sequence. I didn't know. I had never done the class before. And I showed up to do this teacher training with three of my teachers. <laughs> I took the four of us down, down to go and do it. And I just sat in the corner. Like I said, I just, I tried to remain very low key. And by day three, he asked me if I would come be on staff. <laughs> that was pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, I was, you know, I we took it slow in the beginning. I said, let me think about it. Let me see what's what's happening and what's going on. And the more I got exposed to Jimmy and his beliefs, and it very much mirrored everything that we we all do. And I like his operation. I like how he teaches, how he runs things, and and so I ended up being one of his senior staff members. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so from walking into that room at 19 years old, on meds, RA, some clawed fingers, all of these different things, you're, most of your thyroid removed, did you have any idea you were going to end up where you are today? No. No. Not, not even a little bit. It's a very long, long, painful road. <laughs> literally long long painful road and I think it just it's just consistency doing it every day I'm very blessed for where I am now I'm very um, grateful for everything that's happened to me in in the past even though it didn't seem like it at the time and I I'm I'm very fortunate I'm fortunate to be part of part of his organization what he has I'm fortunate to have the studio I'm fortunate to have great people in my life like you and it's 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 good life i'm blessed 
Yeah, cool. Well, if to the listeners, anybody that, that might be struggling with some type of, uh, maybe it's RA, maybe it's not, maybe it's thyroid, maybe it's not any type of condition, uh, what advice would or could you give to them about maybe encouraging them um, to do, like I, I, I like what you said earlier about beginning to manage their own care and to begin to you know, really take their healing into their own hands. Do you have any thoughts that the listener might be able to, um, you know, connect with? I, yeah, I think that when, when someone's ready to heal, they'll know it. And when they're, when they're ready to heal, then I, the first thing I have to, I tell them to do is to move. When you're ready to move, when you're ready to heal, you have to move your body, have to move. And then it, the, it's almost like the layers of the onion will unfold itself as, as needed. But when, when they're ready to make the step, find someone who's supportive in helping you make that step because a lot of times you're in that energy swirl or even family or friends. They may be like, no, can't do that. Or you, know, you might get pushback from people because it's not in the norm. Of, of what we normally do, but find people who are supportive. If it's a spiritual person, if it's a yoga person, if it's a Eastern medicine doctor, even a Western medicine doctor, a DO, uh, find someone who's, who teeters on that line of something unseen. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it's interesting you, you say that and you know, the, the needing to move is huge, you know, and, and for myself, I mean, I was on a cane for quite a while and I literally couldn't walk 10 feet. And so I had to start moving literally one step at a time so I could get to 11 feet and then 12 feet and 15 feet. And, you know, today you, you wouldn't know the difference. Right. Right. But they, you've got to have, you got to have the, that's what you got to decide you want to do it. <laughs> that's <laughs> So you got to decide. And then once you decide, then you got to move. Yeah. And you just, you just, sometimes you listen to your body and sometimes you have to know better than your body. Cause yeah. sometimes I say, if I listen to my body, some mornings I wouldn't get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't have to get out of bed and you got to move because the more you don't move, the more it makes you feel like you can't move or the more it makes you feel worse. It's like, it is really that age-old body in motion stays in motion. You have to have to move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as we get to the end of our conversation today, um, is there some place that the listener can uh, reach you or find out more? Do you have a website? Yes, I do have a website. It's jessiegyoga.com. And you can read my story again there. You can contact me from there if you or if anybody has any questions or where to start or, you know, interested in, in making that first leap, just even talking about it is a big deal. Finding, like I said, finding someone who will be your cheerleader yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for, for the listeners out there, if you're um, listening to this rather than watching this, if you go to, uh, followingupradio.com and you follow it to Jessica, Jessica Gardner's page, we will have that website listed for you too. So you can go there in case you weren't able to write it down. Yeah. Um, so 
tell, tell me, Jessica, what are you writing your book? <laughs> I have to dictate it into my notes. <laughs> well, I mean, you've had quite a journey and it's just like, you know, I've, I've been around the yoga world for a, a long time as well. And I've, I've seen a lot of people heal. And for some reason, I particularly like um, when I hear about people that have, that have had RA that are working through that and have, have got a great deal of relief from that because it's one of those type of challenges that sometimes we, we think we, we need to manage differently with, with intensive medical care and we don't always need to do that. And that, like you said, just as long as you start moving, things will begin to change. I think um, those types of things also become very emotional because it's very painful. Yeah. So I think um, getting on the other side of pain is a, is a big deal and mm -hmm. starting to target the true reasons for, for pain. Yeah. Cool. So. Well, I want to have you back when, when you write your book. So we're going to have to get a book out pretty soon for you. Because <laughs> I mean, you, you're truly mo motivational and, and you've really been open today about what happened with you and um i mean this show is about crushing your fears yeah. and it sounds like that's something that you've done is crushed your fears yeah 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 it's i've i i knew there was a better way to live i knew i was too young to live this way for the rest of my life yeah. so how do you do it yeah yeah cool well that's all the time that we have for you today what's your website again it's www.jessiegyoga.com. Awesome. Okay, hold on. Don't go anywhere. I, I want to mention again, if you go to fallingupradio.com, uh, you can get a copy of this book for free. I just asked you to pay for a little bit of shipping. And you also get the free ebook that you can download immediately. This book was number one on Amazon in yoga, in recovery, and in stress. So pick it up, take a read, uh, check out Jessica's uh, website, and what, whatever it is that, that you're challenging with, we all get challenged by something at some point in our lives, or we wouldn't be human, is just know that you can crush your fears too. I mean, Jessica's a prime example. She could have given up on her life as a 19-year-old, and now she's helping others recover from their conditions, from whatever it might be, and is a prime example of really living an awesome life. So thank you again, Jessica, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, hold on, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>